theyeshiva.net. Especially, I want to welcome all of the communities and congregations that are meeting together and learning, studying together with us across the world. I know from classes in Melbourne and in Sampala, in London and in Los Angeles and many other states and cities around the globe. Welcome to all of you. The difference between power and influence is our theme today, a reflection on one of the most vital and relevant distinctions articulated in the teachings of Judaism. It is one of the most majestic and inspiring declarations to come out from the mouth of the greatest prophet Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu. The context is important. The Jewish people are hungry. They come to their leader asking for food yet once again. This time Moses cannot bear the pressure any longer. He turns to God and he says, Why me? Why did you impose upon me this tremendous excruciating burden of leadership. I cannot do it. And God then tells him to appoint 70 elders. I will share your spirit with them. They will carry the burden together with you. They too shall become 
prophets. And indeed, Moses summons these 70 people. They begin to prophesize. But then something happens. Please open your curriculums. Right below the video, there is a PDF document. You can open it up, print it out. The Torah tells this story in the book of Numbers, in chapter 11, Ba'aloischa, Perikid Aleph, Ba'yisharu shnei anoshem b'machana, Shem ha'echad eldod v'shem ha'sheni meidod, v'atonach aleim haruach. Two people remained in the camp. The name of one was Elda, the name of the other was Medad, and the spirit of the divine rested on them. They were on the list of prophets, but they never went out to the tent with the other prophets gathered to prophesy. They remained in the camp. They remain in the camp and they prophesy in the camp of Israel. And the young lad ran and related the news to Moshe, to Moses. Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, Yeshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses and one of his greatest men, responded and said, Adoni Moshe, Kloyim. My master Moses, incarcerate them. Stop them. Lock them up. These two people, Eldad and Medad, who are prophesying. Apparently, Joshua feels that this cannot be tolerated. Two individuals, Eldad and Medad, in the camp, standing and speaking the word of God. Stop them. Cloyim. Lock them up. Incarcerate them. Vayoyim Eloi Moshe. And Moses responds to his servant, Yahushua, Joshua, and he says, Hamekane Atali. Are you jealous for me? Umiyitein kol am Hashem nevim. Would it only be that the entire nation of God become prophets. That God may confer His Spirit upon them. You are zealous for me. Mekane, you're jealous for my sake. You want me to lock up Elder than made that my wish is meeting that the entire nation of God, every one of them would be a Navi, a prophet. That God would confer His Spirit upon the entire nation of Israel. That concludes the story. There's another story. Just a few chapters later in Numbers, in the portion of Kairach. It's Numbers 16. This is Numbers 11. That's Numbers 16. What happens there? A man, Kairach, who was a relative of Moses, of Moshe, from the tribe of Levi, summons a very distinguished and prominent delegation to rebel against the leadership of Moshe and the leadership, the priesthood of his older brother, Aaron. Koirach, members of the Reuvenite tribe, 
250 distinguished prominent men of Israel all gather in a revolt against Moshe and Aaron. Open up source number two, please. Bring it up in your curriculums. They assembled against Moses and Aaron, and they said, Rav Lachem, enough power you have taken for yourself. The entire community is holy and God dwells amongst them. Why should you exalt yourself on the community of God? Vayishma Moshe. Moshe hears these words, Vayipal Alponov, and he falls on his face. He then challenges the complainers, the rebels. He challenges them in order to demonstrate that their accusations and their demands are absurd, are ridiculous. Moses rebukes them very sharply. When he tells Kairach and his colleagues, he says, Is it not enough that you have been chosen from the rest of the Jewish people to serve as the Levites in the temple? Rav Lachem B'nei Levi, he says, Enough power you have, children of Levi. Ubekashtam Gam Kohuna, you need the priesthood as well. And then ultimately, Moses turns to God and challenges those who are rebelling against him and says, and it's the only time he asks for a miracle. In the entire Torah, it's the only time Moses asks God to perform a miracle. And he says, if God creates a new creation and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up, I shall be vindicated. And if not, not. Now let's understand the different responses of Moses in the Kairach situation and in the Eldad Meidah situation. Listen to Kairach's words again. In source number two, what did Kairach say? The entire community is holy. And God is among them. Why do you lift yourself up? Why do you exalt yourself on the community of God? And Moses responds with, Moses responds with tremendous strength and force and makes sure to eliminate first silence and then when it doesn't help, eliminate the opposition. Contrast that to his graceful and generous and majestic response when he hears that Eldad and Medad are usurping his position in Joshua's eyes. Moses is the prophet. Moses appointed 70 prophets under him. And suddenly there are two independent prophets who are usurping or competing with his position. Joshua says there is no room for this. Cloyim, incarcerate them, lock them up. And what's Moshe's response? You're jealous for me. I would want every single Jew to be a prophet. I don't want to be the prophet myself. My greatest wish and desire in life is to see every Jewish woman, man and child being a Navi, being a prophet. I am glad, I am overjoyed that Elder and Medad are prophesizing outside of my domain. Akedas Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak Aramov, the 15th century great commentator and philosopher, extols here the, the grace of Moses. It says that people are jealous of others besides your own child and your own student. 
the rabbis say. He says, but here Moses went beyond that. He was completely not envious. He was so happy. I would like every Jew to be a prophet. It's not my thing. Kairach said the same words with his colleagues. Everybody is holy. God dwells among everybody. Everybody is sacred. Why are you greater? Why are you the prophet? We might have expected Moses to say, Ah! Instead, Moses challenges them and challenges them with ferocious clarity and determination to the extent that he understands that this must be eliminated. This quest that his position be sheared with the entire nation, that Moses is no different than anybody else. Moses will not embrace it. He will not accept it. Why the contrast between the generosity of spirit by Eldad and Medad and the fierce comeback during the complaint and rebellion of Kairach and his colleagues? There is a lovely observation by the rabbis. The words of Torah are impoverished in one place, but they're wealthy in another place. Which means, sometimes, when you study one source or two sources, you can't get the full picture. To really appreciate the concept, you have to go elsewhere. There is even a sharper statement by the rabbis and the sages in Teiros Koyanim, and it's recited by many every single morning before prayers. One of the 13 principles which Moses communicated to the Jewish people, the formula they would use in order to interpret the Bible and deduce all of the relevant laws from the Torah. And the final principle is, Sometimes there are two verses in the Torah which contradict each other. And we wait for the third verse to come and reconcile between the two verses. Something similar can be said about this discussion. There is the story of Eldad and Medad, one story. There is the story of Kairach's rebellion, a second story. The response of Moses in each case seems diametrically, seems so different and really diametrically opposed to each other. But there is a third story we want to introduce. And that's also in the book of Numbers. The first story is in Numbers chapter 11, Elder than Maidan. The second story, Numbers chapter 16, Kairach. The third story is towards the end of Numbers, Numbers chapter 27, the portion of Pinchas. By now Moses knows that he will not take the Jews into the promised land, he will pass away. He turns to the Almighty and asks him to appoint a successor. Isha Sheruach Boy, somebody who has spirit in him, somebody who will be able to shepherd the Jewish people as Moses shepherded them so faithfully for more than four decades. Do not leave the nation of God, Moses pleads with his Creator, like flock without a shepherd. And that's when God responds to him. Please bring up source number three. Parshas Pinchas, the portion of Pinchas. It's source number three in your curriculums. Again, a PDF right below the video. Vayoymer Hashem al God tells Moses, Kach lechos Yeshua binun isha sheruach boy. Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man who has spirit in him. V'samachta es yodcha alav. 
you shall lay your hand on him. Place him in front of Eliezer, Eliezer, who was the high priest, succeeded his father Aaron after Aaron's death, and in front of the whole community, and commission him before their eyes. And you shall share part of your majesty. You shall place part of your majesty on him. You shall, you shall confer some of your splendor or authority or majesty on him. So that the entire community of Israel would obey him. And he will bring them out, and he will bring them in, he will lead them to war, and he will lead them to victory, as the Bible, the Torah continues. Now, let's analyze two expressions here, which seem at first glance redundant. God tells Moses, take Yehoshua, take Joshua, you shall lay your hand on him. Obviously symbolizing the concept of transferring. Moses' power, influence, leadership, majesty to Joshua. Place your hand, lay your hand on him. We call it smicha. Then he says, You shall confer some of your authority or majesty on him. What is the difference between Moses placing his hands on Joshua, symbolizing transferring some of his presence or power and sharing his authority is it simply redundant no comes the medrash the oral commentary and interpretation on the Torah and shares with us a very intriguing commentary which at first glance only makes things more difficult to understand rather than solving the problem. Source number four, Zagda Medrish, this is Medrish Rabbah Pinchas, Chafal of Tesvav, 2115. When God tells Moshe, place your hand on Joshua, it's kimadlik nermine. It's like lighting one candle from another candle. Vinasata mehoitcha. But when God tells Moses, share part of your authority, your majesty with Joshua, it's like emptying one vessel into another vessel. There is no redundancy, the Medrash says. It's two different models and experiences. There is lighting one candle from another candle, and then there is emptying one vessel into another vessel. So God was telling Moses two different things. First he told them, You shall lay your hand on Joshua. What is that like? That is lighting what candle from another candle. Moses is a candle and he's lighting, he's kindling the second candle, the candle of Joshua. Then God says, You shall place on him, you shall give him part of your authority, your splendor, or majesty. This is like emptying from one vessel to another vessel. What does the Medrash mean? What is the difference between these two metaphors? How do they relate to these words? Why is God telling Moses to do both things? 
The Medrash Rabbah is often brief and cryptic. It has many commentators. One of the greatest commentators to Medrash Rabbah, there were actually, I want to mention two. One was a man named, uh, he's known as the Maharzav, Rabbi Ze'ev Wolf Einhorn. And the other is known as the Radal, Rabbi David Luria. They both lived in the early half of the 19th century. Rabbi Zeev Wolf Einhorn passed away in 1862. He lived in the city of Harodne in, uh, in Poland, Russia. Depends, uh, depends who conquered it that week. That's Reb Wolf Einhorn, and his commentary is known as Pirush Maharzav, the commentary of Mardenu Arav Reb Wolf. It's a very famous and popular commentary for those who study Medrash Rab. The Radal, Rabbi David Luria, passed away a few years earlier in 1855. He lived in Lithuania in a city called Bichov, tremendous scholar and prolific writer. And he also wrote a commentary on Medrash Rabba known as Pirush Haradal, the commentary of the Radal, Rabbi David Luria. It happens to be that in this instance, in this Medrash, they both say the same thing. They both share the same idea. To explain what the Medrash means... But in source number five, we inserted the language of the Maharzav, Rabbi Zeevolf Einor, who says like this, source number five. When it came to wisdom and divine inspiration, Moses was compared to lighting one candle from another candle, in which the first candle is lacking nothing, by sharing its flame, its light with the second candle. And this is the meaning of the first expression, you shall lay your hands on him, which is like the concept of ordaining sages, ordaining a scholar to become a rabbi, a judge, a chacham, a great scholar. We all know the term smicha, which is used till today when a student who has studied and excelled in his studies is ordained by a superior or senior scholar, rabbi, judge, and sage. It's called smicha, which literally means to lean, to lay his hands on him. And this is the expression, you shall lay your hand on Yehoshua, ordain him and share with him your wisdom, your inspiration. That's lighting one candle from another candle in which the first candle lacks nothing of its original brightness by illuminating on a second candle. The second verse, you shall confer some of your majesty on him, is referring to the splendor of kingship and rulership. Here, Moses is compared to somebody emptying one vessel into another vessel because there's nothing left in the first vessel. Ultimately, the entire leadership over Israel was transferred to Joshua and none of it remained in the domain of Moses. So it's like emptying one vessel filled with water into the other vessel, the second vessel now has the water, the first vessel now lacks the water. Unlike when I light 
one candle from another candle, after I light the second candle, the second candle is burning, but the first candle is still burning. Not like when I empty one container, one vessel into another vessel, where after I finish doing that, the first vessel is now empty, and the second vessel is full. So the Maharzav and the Radal are telling us that there are two different features existing in the life of Moshe. And both of them he had to transfer to Yehoshua. And hence the two languages, V'samachta es yotcha alav, and the second, V'nasata me'yotcha alav. This is not redundant. Rather, we're talking about two different characteristics and components. Let's explain the difference between these two things. And let's explain why the first one is comparable to a candle from a candle, and the second to emptying one vessel from another vessel. And I'm thankful for part of the discussion, part of the discussion to uh, the famous teacher and author, uh, Nechama Leibowitz, in her commentaries and writings on the Chumash, as well as an essay by Britain's chief rabbi, and Jonathan Sachs. There are two dimensions or forms of leadership. There is what we call power and there is influence. The two are often confused. After all, people who have power yield influence. And people who have influence also possess a certain amount of power. That's true. But essentially, these are two very different models, two very different concepts. They operate in different ways, and they are actually opposed in almost every possible fashion. There'll be people who don't have any power, but they have lots of influence. And there are people who have tremendous power, but sometimes they have very little influence, or no influence at all. In biblical times, we have this model by a division that the Tanakh always makes between the kings and the prophets. The Melech, the king, and the Navi. The kings had power. The king had tremendous power. He had the power to ascribe certain behavior to the Jewish people, to tax them, to draft them into the army, to lead the nation to war, to build, to conquer, to guide, to penalize, to punish, and so on and so forth. The prophets usually had no power whatsoever had no legions and no troops and no military strategists and no generals, had nobody under his command through which he can enforce his power, could not collect taxes from the people and did not lead the nation from the point of view of power. But what influence the prophet had. How much hashpah, how much influence he had. Sometimes far more influence than any king ever had. 
What is the real difference between power and influence? The power of power is power. You got that? The power of influence is the lack of power. The power of power, what gives power its power is, that people in certain positions of power have the power to coerce and force their way or their position on other people. Whatever the realm of power is. The power of influence is not that I have power. It's that I can show or teach or inspire somebody else to look at the world in a new way so that he or she, by their own volition and choice, will come to behave differently or live differently or do something or not do something. This is true in almost any position. This distinction is true. Take a teacher, an educator, a principal. The principal, the teacher, has power. You have a certain amount of power, how you can deal, what you can do with the student. You can expel the student, you can penalize the student, you can punish the student. It doesn't necessarily mean you have influence. There are some parents, parents have power over their children. They can decide how the house runs and how the children live their lives. And when they go to sleep and when they get up and what they do and what they don't do. And they can enforce it through different ways of power. Then there are teachers, there are parents who have influence on their students. Have influence on their children. There's two major differences between power and influence. Which will clarify, I think very well the difference between them. Power operates by division. Influence operates by multiplication. Meaning this, if I have complete power over something, say I am the founder and the owner of a corporation, a company, a very successful and rich company, I have the complete power over it. But I need money, I need investors, so at some point I have to share my power with others. And therefore, I share it with nine people. I give nine people ownership, power over this corporation or company. What happens? I'm now left with 10% of what I had initially. The more I share, the more I lose. If I have to give it away, I have nothing. If I give away 90%, I'm left with 10%. If I give away 50%, I'm left with half. I'm left with half. That's how power operates. The definition of power is, the power of power is that I have it. The moment you also have it, we now share it. I have less of it. The moment a third person is brought into the equation, I have less of it. With influence, it's exactly the other way around. Imagine, I have a vision. I have a dream. I have a passion for something. I have a perspective. And now I share my influence with nine other people. I share my vision with nine other people and I inspire them to share that vision, that perspective, that passion. What happened now? Did I lose? Did I lose my influence? No. 
Now I have nine times the amount of what I had before. It works in multiplication, not in division. The more I share, the more I have. Now it's not only me who shares this vision. Now there's ten people. So my influence is increased. The power is diminished. But the influence is only increased. And if it's shared with a hundred people, it's increased only more and more. To put it one way is, you could say the power of power is that I own it. The power of influence is that I don't own it. That's its power. Power can only exist when I own it. The moment I don't own it, it's not power anymore. The power of influence is exactly that I don't own it. And because I don't own it, the more I share it, the more influence I have. There's another major difference between the two. Power always ceases with death. The moment a person dies, they lose the power. If I own something, somebody owns something, somebody has power over something, the moment they're lifeless, they obviously don't have that power, they can't hold on to it, their grip is not there anymore. Legally, there's no ownership. The king dies, the king has no power, the king is dead. Influence works exactly the other way. Influence usually is increased with death. Sometimes it only begins with death. As long as the person is alive, they can have power, a lot of power. When they die, the power is gone. But the influence, sometimes it begins to flourish after they die. When their ideas, when their values, when their passions, when their perspectives, when their ideologies, when their philosophies take root in the minds and hearts of students and pupils and disciples and other people who continue to carry their torch. The kings and the prophets are a very good example for this. Who remembers today Yehoshaphat? Who remembers Achaz, Achav? Yehu? They had a lot of power. Tremendous power. To kill, to slaughter, to murder, to destroy, to conquer. But they died and that was the end of their power. Power shifts to somebody else. The prophets had no power but they had influence. And what type of influence? Till today we're moved by the fight of Elio Anavi Elijah against corruption. By the fight of Amos for social justice. By the vision of Yeshaya Anavi about the end of days. They move us, their words, their visions move us till this very day. Back to parents and students and teachers. What's the difference between parents who have only power over their children or teachers who have only power over their students versus teachers and parents who have influence over their children and students? It's very simple. The moment they're gone. If my relationship to you is a relationship of power, in other words, I can make you do something because I have power over you, the moment I am gone out of your life, the moment the student has graduated from school, the moment the students have gro- this child has grown up and left the house of Tati and Mommy, that relationship is gone, that influence is gone because it's an influence that came through power. 
But when I have influence over you, not power over you. In other words, when I inspired you to look at the world in a different way so that you on your own develop certain attitudes and values and morals and instincts and emotions and lifestyles, then it has become yours. And since it has become yours, when I'm not there, it's yours. And it may only increase and increase even more. So again, power operates by division. Influence always by multiplication. Power ceases when the person is gone. Influence begins or increases, grows when the person is gone. Their influence does not stop. It's fascinating that there's two portions that have the name life. Chayisara, the life of Sarah, and Vayichi Yaakov, Jacob lived. Both portions deal with these people after they died. The life of Sarah, the first verse says she lived 127 years and she died in Kiryat Arba. And the Vayichi Yaakov, Jacob lived for 17 years in Egypt. He became sick. He blesses his children and he dies. And the name of both portions is the life of Sarah, the life of Jacob, when the portions deal actually with their death. Because the great power of Sarah and Jacob was not in power, it was an influence. If their greatness comes from power, obviously after they're gone, there's no power anymore. Their physical lives are gone, their ownership, the power element is gone with death. But the influence element... The influence element, the power of influence is not the power, it's the lack of power. The power of influence is that it's not me. It's not me holding on to it. On the contrary, it's an idea that can be sheared and sheared and sheared and then I only grow. The power in me is diminished, but the influence I have only grows and grows with every person that gets it and every person who continues to speak these words and to share these ideas, the original person's influence only grows. Not the power of it, but the influence of it. How it influences others. I think now we can understand very clearly that medrash, that two, that double mission or that double, those two things that Moses had to give to Joshua. Moses is told, Lay your hands on Joshua. He's also told, You shall share your authority with him. You shall confer some of your authority. So the Medrash says, in one, he's lighting a candle from a candle. In one, he's emptying a vessel to a vessel. A simple Medrash. But look what is contained in these words. Moses had two roles. Moses was the leader of the Jewish people. He's the one who made decisions. He had power over the nation. The Rambam calls Moses a melech. He was a king. He decided when the Jews will go to the war. He led the people. He can punish them. He can uh, instruct different instructions that would affect them individually and collectively. He led them through their journey in the desert. He decided and he said, we're going here, we're going there. Now we do this, now we do this. He had power over the people in every area. This he had to give to Joshua. 
And on this the rabbis say, Dabar echad l'adoy, ve'en shnei dabarim l'adoy. Generation can have one leader, not two leaders. Ein shnei malachim ashtamshem bekeser echad, the Talmud says, beautiful expression, two kings cannot wear the same crown. Which means very simply, you cannot have two people, you can't have two bosses running the same area, the same institution. If you would have two people competing over the same entity, it creates havoc, it creates destruction, it creates anarchy. If you're running a company, you're running a store, you're running an organization, you're running a movement, you're running a house, a family, a school, and it's divided among different people who are in the same realm. We're not talking about leaders in different areas. In the same realm, they're both making decisions and the decisions are competing against each other. It creates a disaster in the house. It's like when a mother makes one decision, a father makes another decision, and they're both enforcing it in the house. The poor kids are living in a very disoriented and disorganized home or school or whatever the institution is or business. It happens often. It can't work that way. When it comes to power... And every, every situation, sometimes, a situation needs power, needs leadership. There's only one leader. So God says, Moses, share your majesty, your majesty, your authority, your splendor, your leadership, your malucha memshala, give to Joshua. Like emptying one vessel to another vessel. I had power over the company, now I give it over to you. I retire. I was the one who was in control of the nation. Now I give it over to you. You're in control. I'm no longer in control. That's the model of power. That's why it says, Give them your authority. They shall obey you. This is, obeying is a language of power. So that you shall lead them to war and victory. This is a language of power, not influence. That's model number one. But Moses was first and foremost a prophet. Moses was a leader. Moses was the decisive, the one who managed and led the people and had to make decisions like a king. But Moses, first and foremost, was a prophet. Moses was a visionary. Moses was a man of God who communicated the vision, the perspective, the Torah, the mitzvahs, the vantage point of the creator of heaven and earth. And now he's asked to share that power with Yeshua. Here the Medrash says, it's It's lighting one candle from another candle. When I light one candle, my candle doesn't stop burning. Bring me another 50 candles, 100 candles, 1,000 candles. What happens? Before there was only my light burning. And now there's a thousand candles burning, so what happens? There's more light in the world. In the language of power, the more candles I light, the more we have to divide. In the language, the, the more, if I'm emptying, it's emptying vessels. It's not like lighting candles. So if I empty my vessel into one vessel... I got nothing, he got, it got, the other vessel got everything. If I divide it into ten vessels, it's divided among ten. But if I take my candle and I light ten candles, now the summation is there's more light in the world. And the first light did not get decreased. Nothing was taken away from it. 
Now you'll understand the difference. We will understand the difference between Kairach and Eldad and Medad. It was two very different stories. Kairach was seeking Moses' power. When Kairach says everybody is holy, why do you exalt yourself? What Kairach is challenging is Moses' power. Moses' leadership. Moshe Rabbeinu's Malucha and Aaron's priesthood. That's what Kairach wants. If Moshe would not stand up to Kairach, he would seriously compromise the very office he was empowered to run. If every Jew would be the Balabas, if every Jew would be the master, and everybody would make decisions, how the Jewish people live, how they operate, where they go, where they travel, where they rest, what they do, what they don't do, you have the danger of complete anarchy and chaos and destruction. Kairach was trying to usurp the position of Moshe Rabbeinu as a melech, as a leader. You can't have two leaders. You can't have two people making decisions. An organization and a nation calls for power. Power is not evil. It has its limitations, but there's situations that call for power. You need a balabas. You need somebody to take control. If somebody nobody takes control, you're left with complete havoc. Somebody has to make decisions in the realm of power. Kairach was trying to undermine that. Moshe put a stop immediately. He said, Rav Lechem B'nai Levi, you already have great positions of power. You need more Bikashtam Gam Kuhuna. That's what they were looking for. He put a stop to it and ultimately a miracle occurs which ends the rebellion as Kairach and his men are swallowed up. With Eldad and Medad, it's a different story. You see, with Kairach, there's always a winner and a loser. One person has to win, one person has to lose. Somebody's going to take power. In 1917, there was the famous revolution in Russia. The revolution was in the name of equality. But what were the results of the revolution? The revolution which led to communist Russia was fought in the name of everybody is equal. Just like Kairach said, everybody is holy. But what were the results of the revolution? The results of the revolution was... Complete control and dominance to the extent that the last vestiges of freedom in Russia were crushed. The paradise of Marxist socialism turned into a living hell on earth. In the name of equality, animal farm. In the name of equality, collate, everybody is equal. There's no class divisions anymore. What happened? The worst totalitarian regime and control of power that was usurped and not given to the masses taken by certain individuals depriving the liberty and the freedom of the masses this was at the core of Kairach's complaint Moshe stopped it Eldad and Medad is a different story it's not an issue of power, it's an issue of influence. Here there's no one winner and one loser. It's not a question of who's going to lead the people. In the case of Eldad and Medad, everybody wins. You see, Eldad and Medad didn't want Moses' power. 
Elder than Medad were vessels who received Moses' inspiration. They were elevated beings who can begin to sense the reality of God in the world. The spirit, the influence, the energy of Moses was sheared with them. They became part of that symphony. Now look at something and we'll see how meticulous things are. How do we know this? Take a look at source number 6. Baha'u'llah, chapter 11, Moses complains that he can't lead the people. So God tells him, appoint 70 leaders. Source number 6. I'm going to speak to you there at the tent, and I will emanate part of the spirit that's on you and place on them, on the 70 elders. These are the 70 prophets he's appointing before elder that made us start prophesying. So the Medrash there, in Baloischa, source number 7. Bamid Barabbas says, If the elders were using the prophecy of Moses, perhaps he started to lack in his power of prophecy. It's like a candle that was burning and they lit from it many candles and the first candle did not lose any of its brightness. Here too Moses was missing nothing. The Pasuk says there was never again a prophet who stood up like Moses. So the Medrash clearly says in this story of the prophets right before Elder and Medad, this is the model of the candle. Seventy candles were lit from the first candle, but the first candle is missing nothing. And Rashi brings it as well. Rashi says, who was Moshe compared to at that moment? There is a flame, a lamp that's placed on a candelabra. Everyone is lighting their candle from klum, And its light has, been, has not been diminished in any way. That's the model of the prophet. So when Elda and Medad are prophesizing, they are candles who were lit for Moses' candle. So now Joshua comes and screams, Yeshua, Abadaini, Moshe, Kloyen. Moshe says, Hamekanayatali, you're jealous. My wish is that the entire nation becomes prophets. That God confers His Spirit upon everybody. This is not the language of power, it's the language of influence. My influence is not diminished if there are many prophets. If every single Jew is a prophet. If every single Jew carries that torch of righteousness and justice and goodness and holiness and godliness within his or her soul and within his or her spirit. And this, interestingly, may also be the connection between the story and the name of the portion. We know there's a great idea that the name of everything, of every person, of every object captures its essence. The name of the portion that tells the story of Elder and Medad is Baha'u'llah. Which means when you will ascend, Rashi in the beginning of the portion says, it should have said Ba'adlikha. God, speak to Aaron, it talks about Aaron, the priest, kindling the menorah, the candelabra, every day in the sanctuary. When you light the candles, instead it says, when you lift up the candles, and when the candles ascend, 
So the Medra, the rabbis answer. The Gemara in Shabbos Rashi brings that from here you learn that he has to kindle the lamps to the extent that the flame rises on its own. is not just kindle the flame. Just kindle it, you see it's burning leaf. You have to make sure that the flame is going up on its own. It's going up on its own. It's not just burning because you're holding a match or a torch to it. It's burning on its own. That's the name. And that's the law and kindling the menorah. You have to wait. That's the same story. The difference between power and influence is this exact difference. In power, I coerce you because of my power. I have a certain power to change things in a company, in a nation, in a country, in an organization, in a household, in a classroom, in a movement, in an office, wherever it is. Granted. Influence speaks a different language. Influence speaks the language of That I inspire you and I teach you and I show you how you can see life in new ways, in a different way, so that you are inspired to embrace a new ideal and a new vision on your own. That's the language of influence. It's the language of Baloyzcha. Moses says, this is who I am. I want everybody to be a prophet. It's not about me holding on. It's not about control. Elder than Medad are speaking the word of God. Hooray! There's another million elder than Medads. Hooray! This may be the explanation behind something else as well. Why did Joshua get so upset that Eldon and Medad were prophesizing? At the surface, it seems he felt that the competition is dangerous. How many prophets, how many people are going to be speaking in the name of God? It's dangerous. Lock them up. You cannot afford this type of individual expression in the community. So Moses says, stop it. Don't be jealous. I would like everybody to be a prophet. But the truth is, as our sages point out, Joshua was not just upset by the fact that they were prophesizing. Joshua was upset about what they were prophesizing. Source number six, source number source number eight, the Gemara in Sanhedrin. Bring up source number eight. Sanhedrin Daf Zion Ahmed Aleph. Elder than Medad were not just sharing words of lovely, mushy, dovey inspiration. They were prophesizing that Moses will die and Joshua will bring the Jewish people into the land. In fact, look further, Rashi says, on the words, incarcerate them, Rashi, put them in prison because they were saying that Moshe is going to die and Joshua will bring the Jewish people into the land of Israel now at this point this is before the story of Moses and the rock everybody was certain Moses will bring them into the land and here two people elder than me that are standing and prophesizing that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to die and who will take over? Joshua Joshua heard this he tells Moshe, two people are sitting and saying, you're going to die and I'm going to take over. Put them in prison. Incarcerate them. What was Moshe's response? Moshe's response was, you're jealous. 
I would like everybody to be prophets. But one second, Joshua was not talking about that. Joshua was talking about the chutzpah and the audacity of two people saying Moshe is going to die. How is Moshe responding to that? The answer is, one possible answer may be this. Moshe Rabbeinu was telling Yeshua, you were missing the point. I can't die. People who are about power can die. People who are about influence never die. If my identity was about power, control, I own such a large corporation, Jew, the Jewish people dot com, the Torah dot com, the Jewish future dot com, then I can die. But I'm not about power. Moshe was completely humble. It's not about me. I am about a conduit. I'm a conduit. I'm a channel to share the purpose of existence, the majesty of Torah, Torah, the Word of God, the Jewish mandate to change the world with the Jewish people. My power is that I have no power. My power is that I don't own my power. My power is that it's about you, it's not about me. My power is my powerlessness. It's about my influence. If it would be about power, Moshe says, then I can die. But my life is say, The divine presence spoke from the mouth of Moses. It's not about me holding on. It's about me eating kolam Hashem Nevi'im. It's about empowering the Jewish people. Let everybody become a messenger, a shliach, a conduit for God. Let everybody shear the spirit, shear the inspiration. Let everybody walk around with the consciousness of Moses. Let everybody become saturated with the responsibility, with the love, with the vision, with the depth, with the moral majesty of Moses. You're jealous for me. This can't die. This never dies. Power can die. Influence doesn't die. Gvilu Yisraf and Isis Parachas, Reb Chanan said when he was burnt in the Torah scroll, the parchment may be burnt, but the letters will soar, in the words of the Gemara Navayda Zara. Influence doesn't die, it continues to live and grow. The power of Moses is not here today, the influence of Moses is here right now, right here in our hearts, in our mouths, in our minds, in our homes, in our lives, in our schools, in our yeshivas, in every shul. The influence of Moses. Everywhere, wherever you look, there's Moses. The body of Moses, the power of Moses, gone. So when they say, Moshe Mace, and Moshua is screaming, Chloyim, lock them up. I'm a Kaneyatali, you don't understand who I am. In conclusion, power, the more we share, the less we have. Influence, the more we share, the more we have. In life, sometimes we're called to exercise power. 
But we always have to know the limitations of power. Don't get intoxicated with power because it's very narrow, it's very limited, and its endurance is nothing close to the endurance of, of influence. Ultimately, the use of power, although sometimes important, diminishes others. The exercise of influence enlarges others. This is the great truth expressed in these stories. Not all of us have power. But each and every one of us is capable of having influence for the good. Let's use it. Good night. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.